0: For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.FM or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about San Francisco band The Dodo's sixth full-length Individ.
1: I'm okay. okay.
2: and i'll just get out of the way here the apologizing that i'm getting over a cold so there may be some coughs there may be some sneezes and apologies in advance but thankfully we can talk about good music and i really like this this first track is just such a i like it when a band starts off an album by just throwing everything into this first song that this is uh it's one of the longer songs it's not a long album it's under 30. It's like 39 minutes and nine songs, but this first track is over six minutes and it manages to have, I think, three different parts where we heard sort of the transition from the first to the second and all these different crazy guitar sounds and even what sounded like a a bowed guitar, Mm. which I think is an, an unusual and pretty cool sound.
0: Yeah, there's a definite structure to it, but I think all these songs on this album sound a lot more spontaneous than in their last album, Carrier. And there's a reason for that, which is that they came out of recording Carrier at our own tiny telephone studio in Petraro Hill, which is owned by John Vanderslice, the nicest man in indie rock. And that was their first album after their third band member, Christopher Reimer, had died unexpectedly and so I know that Merrick Long, the singer and vocalist, had said in interviews that they felt like they really had to get Carrier just right because it was kind of like a monument to their friend who had died. And so it was very fussed over and they were very perfectionist about it. And then right after they finished it, they still had time booked in the studio. So they just decided, like, we're going to go back and just record record some more stuff without having a lot written ahead of time. And so it was just sort of written and recorded on the fly. And I feel like that spontaneity really comes through in the sound of this album.
2: Yeah, I think it shows in the lyrics that they're, they are all very impressionistic and just focus on creating this mood. And I think in this first song where there's just sort of this repeated let it, let it go and then that fades into kind of more of a get out of here and this sense of leave aside the past and go into this future even though there are stormy skies ahead. And I like that sort of dark start to the album of the water coming from above onto our heads Mm -hmm. and then in the we go directly from that into the second track where we talk about water coming from below in the tide
0: This is such a good song. It's my favorite track on this album and this whole record is the first thing they've done that I've liked as much as their first album that's a decade old now. It's called Be Aware of the Maniacs and you know, the Dodos are a local band, and I've always have a, I've always had a special place in my heart for them because I remember seeing them way back when, when Merrick Long was an acquaintance of my friend's boyfriend at the time, and so I saw them play in a bunch of little tiny clubs, and I just remember, like, in particular at the Knockout, I think Merrick just did a solo show, and just sitting cross-legged in front of him, and, you know, the Knockout's not even really a music venue. It's just his little bar and just watching his fingers and just being like astonished at how skillful his finger picking was and just being amazed that anyone could play guitar that well and then of course logan krober also being a really talented drummer and i know that when they first came together logan was trying to learn uh, trying to figure out how to incorporate some west indian rhythms into his drumming and so he's really got a lot of sophisticated rhythm going on and just watching him is Really impressive, too. And so I feel like as they've progressed, they've added on a lot of layers onto their sound. But in my opinion, that kind of covered up what I liked about them and what really made them unique. It was more of kind of they started to veer into more just kind of generic indie rock territory. And I feel like this song in particular feels like a return to that energy and the really interesting rhythms that I remember from the beginning without all of this other stuff piled on top.
2: Which I I think is an interesting for me coming to this. I don't have that history with them. I didn't get to see them before they were big. Mm -hmm or at all, but on first listen, it wasn't even clear to me that this was a guitar, because there's so much processing, and there's just this texture here that's so fast, and but it's processed in the way that, is it a guitar playing? Is it electronic texture? I don't even know.
0: Yeah, and I think there are, at least on this track, there are at least two layers of drums there. I mean, Logan's a pretty incredible drummer, but he still only has two hands, two feet.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know, after listening to this album, I did hear you played a few tracks off that first album Mm -hmm. and I feel like those are almost just acoustic and so stripped down and here just across the entire album there's really heavy effects and yet I, I see what you're saying though that you know we played some of that later stuff for me and it just did seem a little more generic and this is not generic it has this just very distinctive sound and even when there's the processing it just doesn't cover up that energy and that sort of spontaneous spirit that Makes this distinctive and mm-hmm. w- worth listening to a bunch of times mm-hmm. and not just a one time, okay, that's nice, let's move on. Mm-hmm. And so there's this huge, you know, this energy. And at the same time, there's just this incredible spookiness in the lyrics here, talking about this lake filled with nothing and who's living at the bottom. And it just, I don't know what it means, but it just really feels like some sort of impending doom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that their lyrics have gotten better over time. And I think part of it is just that the—you the, know these guys are growing up. The, the, you know, Over the course of 10 years, they've gone from their early 20s to their early 30s. And I know personally, a lot of what I wrote in my early 20s was pretty cringeworthy. So they're getting more sophisticated in their choice of words. But they can still keep it simple, which is the case in this next song called Bubble.
2: certainly was eager to talk about this song. I know that you maybe weren't as excited as I was, but I think I'm always a sucker for these non four four rhythms and I'm pretty sure this was six eight and I know which isn't as flashy as you know, a five or a seven based I, beat.
0: I still don't completely understand time signatures but I, i'm taking your word for it
2: well no well it, well i think if you begin at the beginning of the song especially there's this really prominent one oh no 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 this one two three mm-hmm. one two three kind of pattern but then later it's i think it kind of pivots between this one two three one two three pattern and a one two one two one two pattern
1: mm-hmm.
2: so these two different ways of expressing that and then on top of that the syncopation and I really like that it creates this off-kilter sound that's not obviously not 4-4 at first. And it took me a while to listen to it before I really picked up on that. And instead, it just kind of gives you this sense of being out of the normal rhythm of things. And I think it's a great match for this idea of isolation, of feeling like you're in this bubble.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of the things that I like about all these songs, is that they really switch up the the beat even within the songs. And it's almost kind of a proggy style in that they'll completely switch gears within the course of a single song. And... You talked about it conveying a mood of being off kilter. And I think that's also helped along by the fact that Merrick uses a non-standard tuning in his guitar. And it comes across as sounding a little bit dissonant dissonant to me. And then a lot of the atmospherics that they use, like the bowed electric guitar that you mentioned, contribute to that sort of a just slightly off sort of sound.
2: Yeah, it does. It does lead to, I think, some interesting contrast here, because I think in this song, there's kind of this off kilter beginning. That we hear where I think it's really pretty clean even as it's just the rhythm is all over the place but it's a very clean sound and then the rhythm kind of settles down right at this time you get this kind of warm and fuzzy and it's just like oh this should be Mm -hmm. relaxing and yet the harmonics are just so off and Mm -hmm. just like weirdly discordant in a way that's not unpleasant and yet just... This feeling of alienation. It's just you, everything just feels a little bit off. And yeah, that sort of harmonic weirdness and variety, and especially and especially this rhythmic kind of variety, not necessarily six-eight, but just really mixing it up rhythmically is super prominent, I think, in this next track competition. Is
1: this your Yeah,
0: This was the first single off the album and it's just such a great track. That super fast, clean acoustic guitar playing with the electric in the background and then the really precise drum work creates so much energy from just a few elements. And when I talk about this album feeling like it's a callback to their first record and sort of a back to basics feeling for me, that's what I'm talking about. It's just bringing a lot of power from a few core elements.
2: Yeah, it's a much cleaner sound, but you know, again, this, this hiccupy rhythm that you really hear there where it's just this kind of hurry up and stop, hurry up and stop. Mm. And it really creates these sort of brief moments of breath and then these brief moments of disorder. And it's, you know, it manages to make this 4-4 sound way more otherworldly than the 6-8 in that previous track. And I think I, I think it really well suits the, this song seems to be about this guy who can't settle down and the song can't settle down that it's constantly starting and stopping these brief moments of peace it breathes and then boom it's on moving on to the next measure over and over again and this guy who can't settle down he's searching for some preconceived notion of perfection out there somewhere
0: yeah I think that's a theme throughout a lot of these lyrics I think the overarching lyrical story of this record is about struggling against yourself and sort of doing battle with the elements of your personality that end up causing pain and chaos if you don't keep them in check and I actually read an interview where Merrick talked about how this song is you know about his own competitive nature and how he tries to keep it in check because it's something that's a problem and he's working on that and And that sense of struggling against your own worst instincts is also what's going on in this next song, Goodbye, Vanessa.
2: I appreciate the song is so energetic and yet there's this weariness underlying the entire thing the sense that there's just this conversation that they keep having and it never really gets anywhere. Uh You know, it's almost acoustic until we hit this Can I Be Honest and then suddenly complete freak out and the you know the sonic palette just opens up and you just get this feeling there's a the guy who can't express in words what he's feeling he just the only it becomes just this primal scream almost
0: yeah and i i love that freak out because i feel like what happens in this song is sort of what happens in a bunch of different places throughout the record where it's just simmering just sort of boiling and there's so much tension and contained energy especially with the parts where the the drumming on the toms gets really intense and it almost feels like I can visualize when you're you know you're boiling a pot of water and it's just just before it starts to bubble and you just see the little bubbles like starting to rise up off the bottom and that's what a lot of these songs feel like to me and then as you pointed out in that freak out section it's sort of like that that's when it just bubbles over and it's like the energy just can't be contained anymore in the structure of the song.
2: And yet they're they're able to contain so much in these songs. Like this song is, I think, uh, what four and a half minutes long, not particularly epic length. And yet there's so much with this acoustic section, this freak out, and then later on there's this entire bridge, which almost becomes this repeated mantra where you just keeps singing home, home, and it just Wait, has how does it go? home, home. <laughs> except like imagine that if I could actually sing, mm-hmm. it would it would. So use your imagination, and this. You know, this exploration of just what is this guy who can't even figure out what he wants, like as with the last song. But then, after a couple of these songs about, hey, what do I want? Uh, we do finally get this song where I get to hear him ask someone else, well, what do you want in Retriever?
1: You want Moment to carry
0: As I said before, I really prefer Merrick's incredibly skillful acoustic finger picking. But I think on this song, they're actually using the electric guitar in a way that's really effective.
2: And the thing is, in this song, first time I heard this, it's so intricate. And it doesn't even sound like a guitar because it's been so many different effects applied to it. And I was I was convinced it was a sequencer. Hmm. Honestly, it felt so electronic to me on first listen.
0: Uh-huh. There's even some backing vocals there where I'm not sure if it's Merrick's, if it's like Merrick's vocal doubled and then just really heavily processed, or if it's the backing vocal from Bridget Dawson of the OCs, who does do the female vocals that you hear in the back of some of these songs, in particular in Pattern Slash Shadow, you can really hear her if you want to compare.
2: Yeah, I, I am pretty bummed that I'm going to be out of town for work the week of this show at the Great American Music Hall. They're playing on February 11th. And I'm just really curious what that experience is going to be like. Is it going to be more stripped down sound or are they somehow going to manage to replicate this live? And I, think of the experience of seeing LCD sound system if you were lucky enough to see them live or see the concert film that thinks on Netflix now of their farewell concert and they're a band, you know, so many of these intricate textures that sound electronic and then you see them played live and it's like, oh no, it's just actually really talented musicians Mm. that are able to play that fast and I would love to, I'm just curious, is which of those is it going to be and I think it is interesting that they're able to achieve this almost synthetic feeling even though it's just not perfect enough to be, but it has it has a like humanity, but it sounds almost electronic. And then I think that's followed by really the most stripped down and natural sounding song, bastard. So glad to have this song that it's just one guitar, one voice, and this really even a stripped-down drum kit that I think is just a kick drum and a tambourine. And I really appreciate it for showing the range of the band that they're able to have. You know, much of the album where they're throwing all this looping and effects, and it totally works. And then here, boom, none of that layering, super stripped-down sound, and it still totally works. They don't need all that complexity, but they're skillful enough to manage it. And I think it's great here on this penultimate track to have this more contemplative and peaceful sound. And I think it speaks to really where they're trying to go, which is kind of this mature renegotiation of roles in their relationship and what what that relationship means to them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say it sounds stripped down because this is the first. This is the song that stuck out for me with how heavily his vocals are processed.
2: Listening to it, I just think that the entire thing is recorded at a really high level. That Mm. just everything's clipping. And I think that's because the voice and all the instruments are kind of fuzzed because of that. But I feel like none of them is sort of fundamentally changing its character.
0: Oh, fair enough. I, I actually really like that effect. This is also one of only two songs. We didn't play the other one. It's called Darkness. That are at a slower pace and are a little more contemplative. But as a whole, even the faster songs on this record are really carefully constructed and thoughtful. And that's what I really walked away from this album with is just a sense that these guys have kind of gathered themselves together a little more than they have in the past several years and have honed in on what really makes them special as a band. And I'm really excited to hear what they do next together. Yeah,
2: I think there's a collection of songs that are really energetic. There's this incredible intricacy but there's also looseness to them and they just so effectively create this mood of kind of transition and uncertainty where we start off with this epic song about facing the storms to come and then with this nice kind of mirror image the, the album ends with another kind of epic song I think it's over seven minutes where it's looking backwards though Where so we start looking to the future and then we end with this idea of you know what are those indelible memories that we're going to carry into the storm to come and so we'll close with that last song, Pattern Shadow. Thanks for listening.